Good morning to each one of you and greetings in Jesus' name. We came through conference and we get together to talk about issues of the church and it's the church that we are a part of. But as we think of the church, I wanted to think just a little bit about our physical body as well. Our, our physical body is a remarkable creation that God formed out of the dust of the earth. It's a, it's a remarkable and it is an intricate, detailed design. It's... Um, forgiving and yet it is it's very very fragile as well we look at uh, some of the recent history for us and just a little bit about health Uh, our bishop brother a little while ago a little over a year ago I believe had a heart attack and yet through medical help He was able to recuperate from that and do remarkably well. Had a cousin just recently that had a brain, I don't know if you call it a bleed or a small stroke or whatever, and that small stroke could have ended his life. And yet... Remarkably, I believe through prayer, through intercession, through doctors' abilities to deal with some of these things, he's been given a clean bill of health to go back to work. We see a sister who just passed recently, seemingly yet young, from a circulatory or a respiratory illness respiratory illness that lingered for many, many years in her life that she suffered with. And yet, even through that suffering, she was resilient in the work that she did with her family and the school and many other things. I have a friend from CLP that recently had a twist in his digestive system. And left untreated could have caused part of his colon to to die. And then further surgery, and I don't know what all would have been involved for that. And so this human body that we have, that God designed, can endure many things. And yet it can bounce back, it can heal. We suffer through some pain. We have hunger, hunger. we have thirst. But we bounce back most times. But I think we know that our human body that we live in has a point of no return. It has its breaking point. 
And as we look at the body, and I wanted to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in reference to the church, as we look at the analogy of our physical body and the church, you know, each one of us is a special part of this creation, this design of God's, and we add our special little touch, our little cells, our little um, parts of the body. So if we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, wanted to start reading it, verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. And I want you to think about that. One body, many members, all members of one body are one body, also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is there therefore, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, listen to this, as it pleased Him. So as you have become a part of the body of Christ through regeneration, through the new birth, through repenting, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> through repenting of your sins, God has placed you in the body as it pleased Him with your gifts, your abilities, and whatever you have to bring for Him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, and yet one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more, those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. And I want to stop there for just a minute. We can't see our internal organs. And the way that they function, the way that they move, the, the things that they do, we can't see that by looking out across the room. But we know... You can listen with a stethoscope and hear your heart beating. You can put a stethoscope on someone's back and hear them breathing. You eat food and it digests. How do you know that? Well, science, other things. We know that that fills us and nourishes us and helps us to grow. But these parts that seem to be not so beautiful that we can't see. You know, we think about our intestines, for instance. Well, that doesn't seem very appealing. 
And yet those vital parts of our body, had they gone like our brother from CLP that had a twist, had that continued, that part of his body that we don't think is so very attractive could have put an end to his whole physical body. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now, I don't know if you recall when you are sick with the flu, when you smash your finger with a hammer, when you hurt your back, when something happens to you that just makes you feel terrible. It's not just that one part of your body that feels terrible. When you get the flu, you get aches and you get chills and it seems to affect your whole body. But not only does it affect your physical body, it affects your mental. It affects your emotional. It affects many other things that are a part of this thing that has many parts that move, that work together in a miraculous way, that God designed, and that it does affect. <clears throat> now ye are one body. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles. Have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I, you unto you a more excellent way. This human body that I was talking about earlier does not just have one cell, but it has millions of cells. And if you were to look at the outwards epidermis skin, it's all dead. All of our outward coating is dead. And yet it serves a specific purpose. And I don't know how many million cells make up that dead layer of skin. And yet it's designed by a magnificent designer. None of us are designed to be one cell. And I speak of that as far as one small microscopic cell. None of us are designed to be able to function in that way because without the cells of others, there will be no life. None of us are designed to live in isolation, but each is critical to the function of the whole body. And we talked about the several, the different the systems earlier. We have our circulatory, our digestive, our respiratory, our muscular, our nervous system, how would you know if you were destroying flesh on a, the heat of a burner or the coal of a fire 
had you not had your nervous system to feel that pain? Which part of your body would you like to get rid of? Would you like to get rid of your nervous system? Would you like to get rid of your muscles? Be a big... Would you be a big... uh, what, bones? Just a dry bones? Would you like to get rid of being able to breathe? It wouldn't last very long. Lacking any of these things may not cause us to lose the rest of the life in our physical body right away. For instance, we could lose a hand. We could lose a leg. We could maybe even lose a lung or a kidney. Or we could lose part of our colon and still be able to survive. But each part is designed by God for a special purpose. What about your family? I want to jump, jump just a little bit. Your family. Family, like the human body, does not consist of one single piece of our genetic DNA. Our family is not defined as simply one person. We are individual. There's no question about that. And yet we carry the characteristics of our families. We are physically, emotionally, spiritually, and socially influenced by our family. And some of those things we cannot change. A lot of those things we can't change. We're influenced by our parents, our siblings, We're influenced by aunts and uncles depending on how close the family, grandparents. We're influenced by the habits that our grandparents and parents, aunts, uncles, brothers, and sisters even pass down to us. And we can't get away from the influence of our family. But think about the church. The church is also a family. How are we influenced by the church, by our brothers and sisters in faith? This church, which is the bride of Christ, it's made up of individual believers. But then you go a little bit further out, the local church or the family, then the local church then maybe the regional church and the universal church. You individually, as you have come to know Christ and become a member of this congregation or wherever your membership is, choose to be a part. And again, the church could not be a church without the individual, without you. I was reading in Val Yoder's book in preparation to some of my classes at Maranatha, I Will Build My Church is the title of his book. 
And he's talking about a single cell or person. And he says, the heart that seeks the pleasure of God as its ultimate intention is the cell, the single cell that starts in the makeup of the church. The heart that seeks the pleasure of God as its ultimate intention is the cell of the church. And like our family, like our bodies, like our heritage, our church has an influence on our being. And these influences can be a positive influence or they can be a negative influence depending on the experience that you have had. And I don't know what your experiences are because you individually know where you've been, what you've experienced, the words that you've heard, the encouragement or the criticism or whatever it is that you have experienced in your pilgrimage of life, of faith. The home influences the individual. The individual influences the church. And then the church influences the individual and the home. It's a perpetual cycle. That if it's based on the Word of God can be a powerful tool for building the kingdom. The kingdom of God. Outside of that direction, church is just a formality. Why are you here today? Do you come here so that you can say, well, check and mark off. I was here another day. So I've been here 49 out of 52 Sundays this year. Of course, it's just started. So, Are you here so that you can see your friends? I've been there. Are you here because you are expected to be here? Because if I don't show up, Davey's going to call me this week and say, Hey, where were you this week? What's, what's going on? Preacher's coming. Why are you here? I hope that we are here to worship. I hope that we are here to encourage one another. I hope that we are here to hear the reading of the word. I hope that we are here to be challenged by the thoughts of our brothers and sisters so that we can, by God's grace, grow in our walk with him. But it's going to take effort on your part, on my part. If we are just showing up just for the loaves and fishes, just for someone else to to feed you, to, to give something to your life, I wonder if you're going to get much. And I say that for myself as well. You know, we actively pursue things that we like, things that we desire, things that we want. You know, if we, are, if we desire something, we're going to put forth effort to make it happen. <clears throat> That's church life too. That's seeking God too. And I say that not only to you, but to myself as well. 
if something happens to our physical body, we get sick, we break a bone, we hurt our back or whatever, we are going to try to fix it. We're going to try, if we hit our finger with a hammer, we're going to carefully care for that thing and try to avoid hitting that thing again. If we get sick with the flu or hurt our back, we are going to nurse that injury or illness to the best of our ability, and hopefully our wives will help us with that as well, which they normally do. We're going to go to the doctor. We're going to get some medicine. Are you as concerned for the well-being of our church, the local body of believers that you are a member of, are you as concerned about the well-being of the church? Do you want people saying, now, I want you to think about this. Not everybody here is a member at, at Bethany Mennonite Church, and I understand that. But do you want people saying that Bethany or your church is not a very fun place to worship? Do you want people to say that? Do you want people to say, well, I don't want to go to Bethany because people are not very friendly there? Do you want people to say, well, I'm not going to Bethany to worship because they can't sing there? Or there's no discussion in their Sunday school classes? And for me, I don't like people saying negative things about where I worship. Do you? Exactly. But you know what? Each one of us needs to do our part in making this church a vibrant, a vibrant place to worship. Each one of us needs to do our part to make these things happen, to contribute in our own individual cell-like way to build up the church. We need to be concerned for our church, just as concerned as we are when we hurt our physical body or when we're sick. We need to show our support. We need to, we need to not only say, I really like where I worship, but we need to say, I love my church and the people that I worship with, the people that encourage me, the people that make our church worthwhile a worthwhile place where we can go and be encouraged, that we can go and sing together and be inspired, <clears throat> where we can go and have a really good Sunday school class discussion, or we can have a good message, or I love this or that. But if we're coming and not contributing, are we doing our part? Are we doing our part to add to the life and vitality of the church, our church, a part of the body? In order for a church to be alive and vibrant, rests with you individually and me individually it rests with us individually in order for us to have 
a good Sunday Sunday school discussion, or good songs. We need to prepare. We need to be able to participate. We need to add our part to that. When we lose a vision to participate, to build up our church, to say that I love where I worship, when we lose that vision, we're hitting our finger with a hammer, in essence. When we don't come prepared, when we allow work or social engagements to keep us from coming to church or become more involved in things outside of the church, then we start to lose connection with people, with our brothers and sisters, with the local body, and soon we start missing out. And I don't know how you feel, you know, when we go to Mabel, we miss church here. And so we miss some announcements. We miss some things that happen because we're not here. And although we still have a connection with you as pastor here, being absent in body creates a distance. We were sitting around the table eating the other evening and someone mentioned something about uh, a young couple in our circles getting married soon. And Hannah, she was like, what? They're getting married? Thanks for telling me. I didn't know that. Well, apologies made. (laughs) But you know what? She was apart from us. By being in South Boston, she doesn't always hear the conversation around our table and the things that we discuss as a family because she's separated from us. When we are not in the community or in the family of our church, we miss out on those details along life's way. And it's not really the big things that, that are going to be so detrimental to us, but it's the small things the small encouragements, the small helps, the small words, the small everything that contribute to the big things that we miss out on. Last year when we were at Maranatha, y'all had the pancake supper. Some of you all were not nice and sent us pictures. No, thank you for the pictures. But you know, those texts and those pictures helped us connect. And you know, that was a blessing. Even though we were separated by a thousand miles by being at Maranatha, there was still a connection there. And it was through a relationship that we had there. And that is a huge blessing. But when we're gone, we miss out. We miss out. You know, we can go to many, many good things apart from our Sunday morning service, our Sunday evening service, our Wednesday services. We can go to many, many good things. We can go to good seminars. We can have some really good social events. We can have a good ball game. 
And we can do so many other things that are good. You know, family time, things like that. We can go to so many things that are good in in and of themselves. They're not bad. But as we allow those things to displace church, as we allow those things to erode our attendance, our love for God, our love for our church, our love for our brother and sister, where will we be down the road? Val Yoder writes again in his book, I Will Build My Church, there seems to be a very disturbing disregard for the local church. There's a continual rise in the number of ministries, good things that happen, seminars, conferences, that are becoming more central than the church, the family, the many, many cells that make up this body of Christ. Now I want to say this. We can get some good input from some of these ministries. But those ministries are not going to be there for, your, for the nuts and bolts of your life. The everyday happenings of your life. If you're plugged into the local church, you're active supporting, and that's where you're going to get your nourishment. That's where you're going to get your everyday support. That's where you're going to get through some of the tough times and even encouraging to others through some of the good times. There are a lot of competing voices out there. But the place of refuge is with your brothers and sisters in Christ at your local church and the people that are there for the long haul. You need to be there for the long haul. You need to be there to build up the body of Christ. And I understand that God calls us to different parts of the world to minister in different parts of His vineyard. Stay involved. Make it a priority to be there. Don't miss out. If you want to see passion in the church, be that passion. If you want to see vitality in the church, cultivate that vitality, that vibrancy in your life and bring it to church with you that help you to worship. If you want to see the hospitality that Scripture talks about or sincerity in following the Word or whatever you want to see in the church, Be that. Be hospitable. Be sincere. Reach out to people. Talk to them about the Word of God, about Jesus Christ. If you feel like you have no friends here, you need to reach out and be friendly. You can't shut people off and expect everyone to come flock to your door or to your feet and say, I want to be your friend. Don't expect others to change for you in your ideas and your thoughts. And I've shared this before, but be the change that you want to see in others. 
for the glory of God, not because of who I am or who you are, but be the change you want to see in others. You can't put people in a box. You can't pigeonhole people. But you can draw people out by the way we act as Christian people. Ephesians 4 says, Speaking the truth in love, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into Him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted that by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love, building one another up. Paul's letters were written to a community of believers, to us today. The early believers understood the context of close fellowship. And like a red hot coal, we have a fire in our basement. And in that fire, you see in the bottom, red hot coals. And you know, we can stick a little scoop in there and pull out some of those red hot coals and separate them. But when you pull that coal out of the fire and put it off all by itself alone, it will gradually lose its heat and die. And like a red hot coal is each one of us as believers. As a red hot coal, when we remove ourselves from the fellowship of the local church, we no longer have that surrounding input and heat in our life. And we soon start to cool down and eventually grow cold. But you know, my dad often said, while there's life, there's hope. And I'm glad for that hope. But is it worth the risk to draw away from God or our fellow church and believers? Is it worth the risk? Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto me, unto the Father, but by me. And so I want to ask you a question. If your church, if our church here was measured by your devotion to God, my devotion to God, your church life and participation in church life, would Jesus want to marry you? Would you be considered a faithful fiancé? Someone Jesus couldn't wait to get close to? Or would it be like in the book of Hosea, where Hosea married Gomer, and she left him time after time after time, and each time he pursued her and brought her back to him and loved her. But each time she went away again. A husband longingly 
and lovingly seeking to restore a relationship with someone that was unfaithful. Always leaving for someone or something else. And so another question. Is something catching your eye outside of the church? What you get out of the church is what you put into the church. Just like anything in life. Input, output. We work hard. We see young people. They work hard and build their muscles. They work hard to get better at volleyball. We work hard at doing better at our business or whatever it is. that. And so we put lots of effort into it. But what about our church? What about our church life? What about following Christ, being faithful? Galatians 6, 6 says, Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due time, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Do you want to be a builder? Put forth the effort. Do you want to be faithful? Put forth the effort. God is faithful. Colossians 3, verse 23 and 24 says, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily, as unto the Lord, not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. Let's build for the glory of God, for the good of our brother and sister. For the kingdom, for the bride of Christ. May the Lord bless you.